Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Titus. The New Testament book of Titus and Titus and chapter number two. Titus and chapter number two. Titus is going to be in the T section of the New Testament. If you're working backwards, Revelation, Jude, Second John, or Third John, Second John, First John, Second Peter, First Peter, the book of James, Hebrews. Then you'll come to the book of uh, Philemon, and then you'll come to the book of Titus. The book of Titus and chapter number two. The book of Titus and chapter number two. We're in a series right now of the millennial kingdom that we're exploring this thousand year reign of Christ. Now we've already built a foundation explaining the terms, explaining different uh, theologies, understanding our view of scripture and why we believe such a thing. Now we're going to begin on a timeline of the millennial kingdom. And we have to come to the very next event within God's calendar, which is called the rapture. Notice what the Bible speaks about this event in the book of Titus in chapter number two. Titus chapter number two, and notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 11. Titus chapter two and verse number 11, the Bible says this, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Titus in chapter number two? The book of Titus chapter number two, and notice with me in verse 13, the phrase, blessed hope. Blessed hope. And with this, we want to describe the rapture as our blessed hope and ask the question, why is the second coming of Jesus Christ, why is it our blessed hope? So notice, blessed hope. And let's speak about the rapture today. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, we're just asking you to give grace and mercy. Give us great discernment through these passages that we will see here. That we could see this great event that's upon your calendar. And that we could be prepared for it and understanding about it. And that it too can be our blessed hope. Thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Titus, chapter number three, here it gives a quick little outline of our past, of our present, and of our future, all dealing with the idea of the salvation that we have that brings us hope. Notice in verse 11, we see it speak about salvation. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Well, we want to define our terms. What is salvation? Salvation is coming to the idea that we 
are sinners. Every single one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Every single one of us have told lies or disobeyed our folks. Every one of us have missed the mark that we're all sinners. And the bad news is, is because of our sin, we've offended a holy, righteous God, and we deserve punishment. We deserve to go to an awful place called hell and be separated from God for all eternity. The good news is, is that Jesus Christ came down on this earth. He was God robed in flesh and he lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles and the same heartbreaks. And he died to pay the price for you and for me. What a wonderful thing that we start off that we're sinners because of our sin. We owe God a price, but Jesus paid the price and we must personally accept that free gift of salvation that the grace of God hath provided to all men. And I'm so thankful it says all men that God wants salvation and forgiveness of sins for everyone. It doesn't matter. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus just didn't die for certain people. He died for all people. And that salvation is brought to us not because of anything we've done, but everything that God has done. He has provided salvation by his grace. Now that's our past, that God had provided salvation. Now for those of us who have accepted his salvation, there's something we have to do in the present. Notice with me in verse number 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, notice this, in this present world. So listen, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't just disappear. That'd be nice, but you don't disappear. You are left here. You have to live in this world. You have to live in this present world. Now, most of us realize that because we're here, that some Sometimes people have an idea that once you get saved, you get out of this place. No, God has left us here and he's left us here for a reason. And the reason is, is that we should live soberly. The idea of soberly carries the idea of seriously. We need to take this life seriously, that we should live soberly, righteously. That means we should live right. We should have right lives, but not just right. We should live godly, soberly, righteously, and godly. Do you know there are some people who are good moral people, but just because they're moral people doesn't make them godly people. The idea of godly carries the idea that they're living their life for the purpose of glorifying God. There are some people who can live right lives without living godly lives. Here, God is telling us that while we're in this present world, because of the salvation that Christ has offered us and the hope that we have in the future, that while we're here now, we have every responsibility and obligation to live seriously, soberly. We should live righteously and godly in this present world. So we spoke about salvation in our past, that it was provided for us. While we're here today, we have separation from this world to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And then in the next verse, it speaks about our future. Notice with me in verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Notice as it speaks about this blessed hope. The word hope is a very important word to define. That word hope, sometimes people use it as wishful or wistful. It's like carrying a wish and letting it be carried on the wind and that it's saying something that you don't think is really going to happen, but you say it anyways. Like I wish or I hope that winter ends today. I'm hopeful that it's sunny outside. That, That hope is a very weak hope. But the word hope in the Bible means something different. The word hope in the Bible is a confident expectation of someone or something sure to come. In this case, what is our hope? Looking for that blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is our blessed hope? That we're looking for Jesus Christ to come back and do what he said he was going to do. What is it that Jesus said he was going to do? Take us out of this place. This world is not my home. He's coming to take me out. That's my hope that this is not my final destination. This is not where I end up. This is not where I stay. My hope is that I'm getting out of here and he's got something better prepared for me. That is my blessed hope. My hope is not that this world is the best I have. I might as well enjoy it. My hope is not in this place. My hope is in Jesus Christ doing what he said he was going to do, taking me out of this place and bringing me somewhere better. That is my blessed hope. Now, we use a term for this called the rapture. The word rapture means to be calling away. And that what we mean by the rapture is that there is an event on God's calendar, the next event on God's calendar, where God himself is going to come and rapture us, call us away out of this world unto himself. And we will be with him. That is our blessed hope. This is an event called the rapture. Now, may I also say that this is the next event on God's calendar. There is no signs, no wonders, no planetary alignments, no wars, no uh, plagues, no pestilence, no pandemics that have to be fulfilled in order for Jesus Christ to come back. He could come back at any time. He may come back before I finish this message. Some of you are saying, even so, Lord, come, Jesus. He may come before we go to sleep tonight. He may come before summer is over. He may come in 50 years. We don't know when he is coming, but there is nothing left in prophecy that has to be fulfilled before Jesus Christ comes back. We just have to be ready and prepared because he can come at any time. But when he does, everything changes. This is why the rapture is our blessed hope. If you don't mind, may I show you from scripture several different places talking about the rapture. And let's explain and answer the question, Why is the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, why is that my blessed hope? If you don't mind, let's explore what the Bible has to say. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation in chapter number one. The book of Revelation, chapter number one, and what we're going to discover here is that why is the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, why is it our blessed hope? It is because, first of all, it is a day of rapture. It is a day of rapture. 
Notice with me in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, Behold, he, that's Jesus, cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him and all kinds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now in verse number 7, it speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ, but we understand that the second coming of Jesus Christ comes in two phases. Now this is going to be important. It comes in two phases. The first phase of the coming of Jesus Christ, verse 7, behold, he cometh with clouds. The first phase of the coming of Jesus Christ is that he is going to call away everyone who's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. He is going to call them away to himself. That's what the word rapture means. The word rapture is not found in the Bible, but the concept is it means the calling away. Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds and call away everyone who's come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. It will be a day of rapture. The second phase of the coming of Jesus Christ has an interruption period, seven years called the tribulation. So Jesus Christ is going to call us away. And then the completion of the coming of Jesus Christ, verse seven, behold, he cometh with the clouds and every eye shall see him. The second phase of the coming of Jesus Christ is where Jesus Christ comes back, not this time in the clouds, but back on earth and everyone shall see him. So the second coming of Jesus Christ comes into two phases. It comes the first phase in the rapture, the second phase when Jesus Christ comes literally, physically, bodily back on this earth where everyone could see him. Now, the first phase of the coming of Jesus Christ is the phase that we are concerning ourselves with. It is called the rapture, this calling away. Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds and is going to call us away from this world and we will meet him in the air. This is going to be a day of rapture, a day that we're called away from this earth unto him. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to another passage that speaks about this first first phase of Jesus' second coming of the rapture, the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Not only is it a day of rapture, a day where Jesus Christ is going to call us away as he comes in the clouds, but we also see in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, it will be a day of of resurrection. A day of resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and if you don't mind, pick it up with me in verse number 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 51, this will be a day of resurrection. A day of resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now notice this. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. I'm going to reveal something to you that was previously not known, but is now known. And I want to give you this information that we shall not all sleep. Now, when you see that word sleep in the Bible, oftentimes it is a kind Bible word that say, says dead. Here it says, do you know that not all of us will die I hope I'm one of those. I don't want to die. 
I'd rather Jesus come take me home and I could skip this idea of death. It says, I will show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we must, we shall all be changed. That there are some of us who will not see death. We're going to be raptured out. But whether they died beforehand or they were raptured out, we will all be changed. How are we going to be changed? Notice with me in verse 52. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So in this moment, in this twinkling of an eye, scientists who are smarter than me that figure out such things, they have calculated how fast a twinkling of an eye is. A twinkling of an eye is one one thousandth of a second. That's pretty quick. It says that when Jesus Christ comes back, that the rapture is going to be so quick, it is going to happen in one one thousandth of a second. That means that we could be in a conversation with someone, and if we know Christ and they do not, that they're going to be talking to us, and then all of a sudden, boof, we're gone. Could you imagine how frightening that would be? That's going to be a very scary time for those who are left behind because people are just going to disappear one one thousandth of a second. Now, may I also say that doesn't give anyone any time to say a prayer. That if someone knew that Christ was coming back, they could wait to get right with God until the last moment. Kind of like when you were a teenager and your parents said, I want you to clean your room, wash dishes and all this stuff. But they said, we're coming back at eight. So you spend all the day lounging around until 7.30 and then finally try to get everything done. We save it to the last moment. Well, at this, you can't wait. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, there will be no heads up. There'll be no warning. There'll be no slow taking off from earth as you watch someone rise up and then have time to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, now's the time to handle it because there will be no warning. There's no signs, no wonders, nothing that has to be left behind. It'll be one one thousandth of the second. We're going to be taken out of here. And by the way, at the end of verse 52, it says it again. We shall be changed. Notice with me the next verse, 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality. What it's speaking about, this corruptible, this is the flesh that I have now. Your body is corruptible. This is a mortal body. And by the way, those who are getting older, you know that your body's falling apart. It doesn't work the way that it used to. It doesn't bounce back the way that it used to. It is very much corruptible. It is now falling apart. It's getting worse and worse as we go on. One day... We're going to get a brand new body that will not grow old, that will not have the aches and pains. We will all be changed and we'll be given a brand new body that will not corrupt and we're going to put on this mortal body, take it off and put on an immortal body, a body that will not fall apart. Notice as it goes on, verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have been put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? 
The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. So here it is saying that there's going to be victory on two fronts. There are some that are going to be able to say, guess what? Oh, death, where is thy sting? There are some of us who will not see death. That would be a great victory. Ha ha, death, you miss me. Nana, nana, boo boo, if you want to put it in child terms. I didn't die. I'm going to skip this process of death. I hope I'm one of them. I don't want to die. But there are some of us who will see death. But notice this, O grave, where is thy victory? That even if you were to die before the rapture, you're not going to stay dead. Amen. That you are going to be risen up as well. I'm so thankful that we have that hope that there are some of us who won't see death. But if we do see death, we will rise again and get a brand new body. So even grave will not hold victory over us. That God has won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that those who are dead are going to rise again. And they're going to get a brand new flesh. No wonder this is our blessed hope. A day of resurrection. A day that we are going to get a brand new body and taken out of this world. And even if we die, we're still going to be risen up and get a brand new body. Notice as it goes on in verse 57. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How is this all possible? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. That is why the second coming of Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. In fact, notice the conclusion in verse 58. Therefore, so because of the rapture, because we're getting a brand new body, because God is going to give us this time where death will not have victory and the grave is not going to be victorious. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So because of the second coming of Jesus Christ, if it is our blessed hope, we're going to work. We're not working in order to be saved, and we're not working in order for God to raise us. We're working because that he's going to do that, because he has saved me, because I have this promise of a brand new body. I serve him out of a thankful heart. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. I don't have to tell people about the Lord. I get to tell people about the Bible. Why? Because I know my hope is in the Lord. And because I'm thankful for all of his promises, I have no problems doing what he's given me to do. The day of rapture is going to be our blessed hope. It's a day of rapture. We're going to be called away. It's a day of resurrection. We get a brand new body. Notice with me in the book of Romans. Let's see some more about this day that we're looking for. Why is the rapture our blessed hope? The Bible speaks more about this in the book of Romans in chapter number 8. Romans and chapter number 8, we can see that indeed this day of Jesus Christ's second coming, it is our blessed hope. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 18. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. We could see it is a day of redemption. A day of redemption. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. Now, Paul is giving a supposition here. Guess what? The sufferings that we go through, by the way, this world is tough. 
We feel pain. There's heartbreak. There's all kinds of things wrong with this world. But when we get our brand new bodies and we see Jesus, it shall be worth it all when we see Jesus. And so you say, you know, I know I suffered and I know I hurt. I knew there was pain, but guess what? It is worth it all to be with Jesus. It is worth it all to be with him and to get our brand new bodies. Uh, Notice as it goes on, as it speaks about this day of redemption. Verse number 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. What Here it's starting to get into poetical terms speaking about our bodies, we're waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. We're waiting, we need it to come back. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of those who subjected the same in hope. Because of our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to tell our flesh, no, no. Because if you let your flesh do whatever it wants, guess what? You're going to get lots of trouble. You, your flesh craves to get in trouble. You know, anyone is capable of anything at any time. We, all, we constantly have to get the reins on our flesh. We constantly have to put our flesh in subjection because if we just let our bodies have whatever it wants, it's not good for us. It's kind of like a parent. Sometimes the most loving thing you could do as a parent is tell your kids no. Amen. No. No. Why? Because our flesh cannot reign. And because of our hope as the Lord Jesus Christ, We are thankful that we can have our hope in Jesus and that because of that, we put our bodies in subjection now. Notice as it goes on in verse uh, number 21. For the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which shall have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. One of the things about Jesus Christ's coming is that it is a day of rapture, the calling away. It is a day of redemption, or sorry, a day of resurrection where we get a brand new body. It's a day of redemption where this body no longer sins against Christ. One thing, I'm a pastor of a church, but I sin and I fail God all the time. One thing that I'm looking forward to is that when I get this brand new body, I will no longer be able to sin. I'll no longer be able to fail God. I'm so tired of failing God. I'm so tired of just falling short of what he wants from me. I'm so tired of my flesh being weak and falling short of doing the things that I ought to do. One day I'm going to get a brand new body and this brand new body will not be able to sin anymore. I will no longer fail God. I'll no longer fall short. That is why the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ is our blessed hope. It's a day of calling away where he's taking us out of this world and fulfilling the promise. It's a day of resurrection where I get a brand new body. It's a day of redemption where this body will no longer sin against God. But there's more. What else makes the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture, our blessed hope? We find more about it in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 4. Notice what the Bible says. 
Why is the second coming of Jesus Christ, why is it our blessed hope? Well, see, it's a day of rapture. Jesus is going to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to fulfill his promise. He's going to take us out of here. And when he takes us out of here, we have a day of resurrection. We get a brand new body. It will be a day of redemption where this body will no longer sin against God. What else makes this second coming of Jesus Christ our blessed hope? It's a day of reunion. It's a day of reunion. Notice with me 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, meaning I want you to know this information, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Remember this word asleep is often a nice kind Bible way of saying that they're dead. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. Now what happened is that the Apostle Paul, as he traveled, he would often preach about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it would be so real to folks, especially to the church of Thessalonica, this uh, church that's here. And as Paul had made it so real, someone came with a follow-up question. Paul, you talked a lot about Jesus Christ coming. What happens to our loved ones if they die before Jesus Christ comes back? That's a very good question. And so he takes pen and paper under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to answer this question. Notice again in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which were asleep. So what happens if grandma dies? What happens if my uncle, or my family members, my dad, my mother, my brothers, my kids die before Jesus Christ comes back? Notice this, he says, Concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. Do you know that a funeral for a Christian is a lot different than someone who's not saved? For someone who's not saved, there's a lot of sorrow because they have no promise, no guarantee that they'll see their loved one again. They don't have hope. But if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, and our family members know Christ is our Savior, the funerals for a Christian are a lot different because it's not so long forever. It's see you in a little while. We have great hope to see our loved ones again. That if they've trusted Christ and we've trusted Christ, we have great hope, a confident expectation of something or someone sure to come. We are going to see our loved ones again. Notice as it continues, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or are dead in Jesus will God bring with him. You know that when Jesus Christ raptures us and meets us together in the air, he's bringing our loved ones with them. Notice with me, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Remember that this happens in one one thousandth of the second, that all of a sudden the dead in Christ shall rise and we're going to rise. It's going to happen quick. Verse number 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, it's going to be a day of reunion. That the day that Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be a day of rapture. We're going to be called away. It's a day of resurrection. We get our brand new bodies. It's a day of redemption. That with these bodies, we'll no longer be able to sin against God. But it will also be a day of reunion because we will see our loved ones again that if they've trusted Christ and we've trusted Christ, the same moment we meet together in the air, we get our brand new bodies, see our loved ones again, and we get to be with him and be with our Lord. What a great time of hope that is. No wonder the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture, is our blessed hope. It is our day we get to see our loved ones again. It will be a day of reunion. You know, the Bible says something else about this day that we're looking for. Why is the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, why is it our blessed hope? Well, turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. The book of 2 Peter in chapter number 3. 2 Peter is near the end of your Bible. Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, uh, 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter in chapter 3. We're speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The first phase of the second coming of Jesus Christ is the rapture. That Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to take us away from this world. It will be a day of rapture. It will be a day of resurrection. We get our brand new bodies. It will be a day of redemption. Our bodies will no longer be able to sin against God anymore. It will be a day of reunion where we get to be reunited with our loved ones who passed on before. That if they've trusted Christ and we've trusted Christ, we have this hope that we will see them again. We see something else in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. That this will be a day of rejoicing. A day of of rejoicing. Notice with me in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice with me starting at verse number 4. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse, ah, let's go verse number 3 because I like to hit this one. 1 Peter chapter 3. Notice with me verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days. Now we know that we're living in the last days. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers. Did you know that there's scoffers today? There are people that scoff at the Bible that say that it's not true. They laugh at us Christians for saying that we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. Now they're scoffing. Now why are they scoffing? Do you know that there's no biblical, historical, mathematical, scientific reason to deny the Bible? Why do they scoff at the Bible? Why do they deny the Bible? Verse number three again. Knowing this first, those shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Why do they deny the Bible? Because they want to do what they want to do. They don't want the Bible to direct their path. They don't want their Bible to be authority over them. So they have to find some way to reject the Bible. So they scoff at it, not because of any intellectual reason, but simply because they don't want God to have authority over them. Now, notice what these scoffers are saying in verse number four. And saying, speaking of these scoffers, where is the promise of of his coming. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know what the scoffers are saying? And by the way, they still say this. Where's Jesus at? You keep saying he's coming back. It's been 2,000 years. Just give up. The Bible's not true. God's not coming back. Just forget about it. 
And this is what the scoffers are saying. Now we know it's our blessed hope, but they want to take the hope away from us. They want to use the fact that Jesus has not come back yet as evidence that the Bible is not true. Notice what the Bible says in, in, uh, to rebut this in verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. You know what this means? God keeps his promise. Not like some people keep their promises. Some people can keep their promise. You know that they're never going to do it. I have some guy that calls me and says, all right, hey, someone's here. Uh, I'll call you back in five minutes. I don't expect their call for another two weeks. You, you just know that they're not going to keep their word. And so God doesn't say a promise and then keep it like we keep it. God does what he said he's going to do. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word. This idea of long suffering means he suffers a long time. God is extending time and is suffering with us in our disappointments and our failures and our letting him down over and over again. Why does he put up with this? The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us word, not willing that any shall perish, but that all should come to repentance. You understand why is God not come back yet? Because he wants to see as many people get saved as possible. That God is tarrying his coming. He's waiting. He's prolonging his coming back because there's still people that he wants to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. He still wants to see more people get saved. He's not done yet. But there's a time where it'll be done. There'll be time where the last person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, if I could just be honest, my secret desire is I want to be the person to lead that last person to the Lord. I want to be able to open up, show them from the Bible. And just when I say, will you be willing to accept Christ? They say yes. And all of a sudden we're out of there. But he's waiting for that one last person. He wants more people to get saved. Can we just get more people in the kingdom? More people to trust Christ. More people to get saved. You understand? We're looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back. And he come back at any time. It is our blessed hope. It's a day he's calling us out of this world. And we don't have to be in this awful place anymore. It's a place where I get a brand new body, a body that will not grow old, that will not fall apart, will not have the aches and pains. I get a brand new body that will no longer be able to sin against God anymore. I will be able to re-reunite it with people that I loved before, but Jesus Christ is going to keep his promise. It is a day of rejoicing when God does keep his promise, but he is holding off because he still wants some people to come to know Christ. He's holding off because he still wants people to go tell people about others. He wants one more track passed out. One more door to be knocked on. One more person to be invited to church. One more person to be told about the Lord. One more person to bow their head and accept Christ. He's waiting for more. He wants more people to get saved. And by the way, if we believe this is true, remember that we should live soberly, seriously, righteously, and godly in this present world. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What does he want us to do now? He wants us to be instruments to see more people to get saved. Why is God holding off his coming? Because there's still work to do and he wants us to work. It is of God's graciousness and grace that he has not come back. 
You know, if Jesus Christ had come back earlier, you might not have gotten saved. And we would have missed heaven. We would have missed God's glories, his promises. God was very gracious to extend us this time. And there are still more people to get saved. More people who need to accept Christ. We have a responsibility. We need to work for the night is coming. There's a time where we'll no longer be able to work. Now is the time. If we truly believe this is true, we have work to do. Because God is not willing that any shall perish. We should all should come to repentance. There's still more people he wants to come to know Christ. And we have the responsibility and the privilege to be those instruments, to be used of God, to see people come to know Christ the Savior. What is your part to play? Are you helping out? Maybe perhaps we need to start at the beginning. Do you know for sure? Are you sure from the Bible that your sins are forgiven? Are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, that you would be in the rapture, that God would take you home to be with him? Are you 100% sure that you are saved? If you are, dear friend, what part are you currently playing in reaching people for the Lord? God still doesn't want anyone to perish. He needs more people to come to know Christ as their savior. What role are you playing? Are you actively telling people about the Lord? Are you passing out tracts? Are you inviting people to church? Are you praying for people to get saved? Are you involved in this? If not, maybe you need to make a decision and say, Lord, what part do you want me to play? God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us word, not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. Why is the second coming of Jesus Christ our blessed hope? It's a day of rapture. He's calling us away. It's a day of resurrection. We get a brand new body. It's a day of redemption. This body will no longer be able to sin against God. It's a day of reunion. We get to see our loved ones again. And then why is this rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ, our blessed hope? It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day where we get to see God keep his word. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.